What's up, everybody? It is the end of August, and as you can tell from the title of this episode, this is going to be the finale. And I don't know if that means it's going to be the finale of this entire podcast or if it's going to be the finale of just this quote-unquote season. I've been calling it season one because I haven't really done a podcast like this before, and I needed some way to logically group them because as programmers, that's how we think. Anyway, as I look into the last quarter of the year, there's a lot of stuff happening, the least of which... My third daughter is going to be born, so I'm really excited about that. But in order to make sure that I am managing my priorities and my responsibilities and all of that stuff as well as possible, I need to figure out or I needed to figure out some of the things that I could cut down on for a little while. And in order to give my best to my kids and my wife and my family and work, this is one of the things that I wanted to uh, temporarily put on hold. Maybe it's an indefinite hiatus. I don't know. I do know that it's been a lot of fun and it's something that I would like to continue in the future. I've been guests on other podcasts and I think that it would be a lot of fun to have other people maybe on like a second season or sporadic episodes of this, whatever, um, in future episodes. But for now, there's a lot going on in my personal life. And so uh, why family, friends, work, those are the things that I need to focus on. So I will still be blogging. That's the one thing that I will consistently be doing. But the podcasting is going to go on hold. With that said, there's a lot of stuff to cover. Um, I'll start that. Or there's a, maybe I should say there's a lot of questions to answer. So I will get to those in just a minute. But as per usual, I'll give you a quick update as to everything that's going on with me, with work, things like that. For those of you who read my blog on a somewhat consistent basis, you know that every few months I try to take a social media break, and this uh, August, actually the month we're in right now, this social media break has been one of the best that I've had in the past uh, year, year and a half of doing it. Um, I've gotten a lot of time to read a lot of material. I've got a lot of time to spend um, not only just exercising for myself, but my well, a couple of my kids are getting old enough to want to exercise with me. So that's been a lot of fun. And I've also gotten a chance to catch up on some various movies and books that I've wanted to cover. So I'll try to rapidly run down some of that stuff really quick. First, this summer, even though I hate the heat that comes in Georgia in the month of August, I have been predominantly running this month. I mentioned this in previous podcasts. I don't know why I always end up running so much during the summer, but that's what I do. That's what I've been doing. And I literally am recording this on the same day in which I have done, uh, I did three and a, about three and a half miles and I did a one mile warm up, and then I did Tabata sprints the rest of the time. So that was fun. Work-wise, I absolutely love what I'm doing at Web Dev Studios. Working at Pressware for eight years was an amazing experience. I have nothing but good things to say. But the same is said for, for Web Dev Studios. I love the work that we're doing. I love the team that I'm on. I love the people that I work with. And I know it sounds almost like a commercial or a embedded sponsorship, but it's not. I am straight up telling you like it is. So um, I believe at the time of this recording, we're hiring. So if you're looking for a job as a backyard engineer or or if you're just looking for a job in WordPress doing project management or something in sales or something like that, head over to webdevstudios.com slash careers. Bookwise, I have finished, I was reading a number of nonfiction books, most of which are in the political arena, um, and I am now, I have now swapped back over to fiction, try to take breaks in between the different genres. Uh, I am reading Dean Koontz's Odd Thomas series. I am just now in book two, and I, this is completely spoiler free, but I will tell you that I didn't really know much going in other than 
the general synopsis that comes on the book sleeve, but I will tell you that the first book was it, it exceeded my expectations, and the at the ending of it, it was one in which I needed to immediately start reading the second one because it was that good. And for those of you who read it, you know what I mean. For those of you who haven't. And you like Supernatural with a little bit of horror, um, I recommend it. And if you are into horror, I also recommend checking out that particular series. The second book seems to be a little darker, although I'm only about a third of the way through it right now. As far as movies are concerned, I have been on a horror binge. At the time of this recording, I am absolutely stoked for the second part of it. That is... Uh, one of, that might be my favorite Stephen King book. I think I've said it in a previous podcast. That particular book was one in which that as I got near the end, I started to read slower because I did not want to finish it. And the other books that I've done that with are things like Lord of the Rings, for example. I know it's, it's weird to say that you might do that in a book like, um, like it, but that's the truth. You go on this epic adventure with a group of characters who you get to know, and things, as it starts to wind down, you kind of don't want to end the adventure with them. I also had the opportunity to watch a indie movie called uh, The Interior. That one was fair. If you like kind of indie horror movies, there's not really a lot of lines to it. You got to give it 20 minutes before it kicks into worth watching. I watched Annabelle Creation, definitely better than the first one. I watched Ouija uh, Origin of Evil. That one is definitely better than the original. And then I also watched a movie called Gwen. The thing about the movie that's interesting is that when it's taking place, there's not like a monster or anything like that. It's just the things that people were doing to one another for the sake of quote unquote progress. So if you're interested, again, it's got more of an indie feel to it. So if you're interested in that, I highly recommend it. You can read reviews about it and see if it's your kind of thing. But anyway, that's everything I've been up to aside from renovating three rooms in the house, which is just, it sounds as fun as it can possibly be so anyway with that said i am ready to finally get into some questions so thanks for uh you know taking an interest in whatever's going on in my life i don't even know if this particular segment's interesting but given that this is the last episode i'm gonna just lay uh all of that out so with that said let's hop into questions what are your favorite or essential plugins that you use on all or most of your sites because of what I do, I don't really have a solid recommendation over, hey, you should install all of these plugins across all of your sites. However, I will say that three plugins that I really do like are if you have comments enabled, I do think a Kismet is a good plugin and it's worth it if you're if, if it's one that um, you're going to be putting on more than just like a single site or your blog, then it's worth the investment. For analytics, I'm a fan of Fathom Analytics, which is an alternative to Google Analytics. And for emails and anything really form related, I like WP forms. Where do you begin in getting started with the codex? This is a tough question to answer because I don't think that the way that the codex is built is that it lends itself to start at a particular point. Instead, it's more of a a reference. It's a, it's a lot like Wikipedia. Where would you start with Wikipedia? I mean, after you get to a certain point of experience or development, you you look it up or you look up something that you need to do. And perhaps maybe that's the best starting point. You think, okay, I need to be able to achieve something. I need to be able to add a custom function to add content or append content to a blog post. So that's a starting point. And then you look, at, you look up via Google or DuckDuckGo or whatever your favorite search engine is and include WordPress codecs in the search string. Then from there, you'll be taken to a codex page. If you want to learn more and you have the chance, not only will that page give you what you need, but it also will give you 
related links uh, to some degree. And so then you can get a wider view of what WordPress offers. On top of that, there's also the WordPress developer resources, which is kind of replacing, I don't want to say replacing a codex. Some people say it is replacing a codex. I don't, I wouldn't take it that far, but it's also a place that I would go to because it gives a description. There'll be examples of using functions and also shows the core source code um, right there in a single browser window. So that's a place that I think is also a good place to look. Do you like using Bootstrap when building sites or applications? I've been using Bootstrap for a long time. I remember when it was first released. I've used it when needed. Uh, I can't say that I have a strong opinion on if I love it or if I hate it. Like if a project calls for it and it fits the build, then I'll use it. But I feel the same way about a lot of the front-end frameworks. That is, I'm a fan of semantic UI. I'm a fan of foundation. And the thing is, the further I've gotten into my career, the less front-end work I've done. So anything that allows me to add a decent-looking UI, I'm going to use it because I'm more concerned with getting something functional and getting something useful than I am about present. Now, this really is more for web applications. Like if I'm building an admin interface, then using a framework like that. But if I'm going to be building something for a site or if I'm building something with, uh, it's an application that has a front end that needs to look a certain way, then I'm almost always going to partner up with a front end developer or completely just offload all of that to someone who specializes in it. Because at this point in my career, far more interested and focused on uh, the back end of software. So I don't really have a strong opinion on Bootstrap or any of the uh, other front end libraries. If it helps me get from point A to point B and get the project done in a reasonable amount of time and it looks good, then I'm, I'm interested in, in using it or at least looking into it. What is the recommended approach for overhauling or replacing the WordPress admin area? It's a really good question. Unfortunately, I don't have a answer uh, for it. I've seen people do things such as reskinning it using CSS and JavaScript, and then I've seen some people build their own using, uh, coincidentally enough, with the last question, uh, tools like Bootstrap, the REST API, or even just not even using it, the API, just building their own custom templates for the admin area. So I don't have a plugin or a strategy or anything that I can really recommend other than knowing what it is you need to build, knowing how WordPress works, knowing how to handle data validation, sanitization, things like that, um, knowing the WordPress API, all of the various APIs inside and out, and then building either a wrapper for it or simply reskinning it with new icons, new styles, new fonts, etc. However, that is not necessarily rebuilding the UI. That's I would consider that more of a reskin. What advice do you have for unit testing, integration testing, acceptance testing, and any other types of testing? For unit testing, I unequivocally recommend PHP unit for reasons that should be obvious. But one caveat to that is it's important to keep your code as decoupled from WordPress as possible if you want to write unit tests for them. Uh, for that. I've tackled this or I've answered a question similar to this in a previous podcast around design patterns with WordPress. So if you go back and listen to that, I do a much deeper dive than I am here. But what this will allow you to do is to write unit tests around your domain and uh, your application layer without having to necessarily test WordPress itself. For integration tests, I like the um, behavior-driven development style uh, of testing. And so you can do um, 
Behat is the framework that I would recommend using. However, if it's strictly for WordPress, then using something like WordHat, which is the Behat variant for WordPress. I would that I think that that's the probably the most popular option. And not, and and with popularity, you know, you're going to get a lot of documentation and other people who are familiar with it that you can rely on to help answer some questions that you may have. And then for acceptance testing, I'd have to say Codeception. But to be completely honest, I don't have as much experience with acceptance testing as I do with um, integration testing and with unit testing. So I don't have a really strong recommendation for it. What is your opinion on Docker? <laughs> that's a broad. That's a broad question. So um, typically, I am a fan of using Valet and um, services installed via Homebrew. But that's not to say I dislike Docker. I get its purpose. I understand how it's useful and why it's useful. And we we use it uh, in projects at Web Dev Studios actually. But if it came down to it, I would choose something like Valet over it. And that's that's part of its personal preference. Part of it is because of the overhead really of setting up a container and all of the other tertiary things that come with that. Um, also, I recommend if you're going to use Docker, make sure that you've got a lot of RAM. But if you're working on a distributed team across multiple environments, it is definitely a way to make sure that you are working on a consistent foundation, especially when it mirrors the server that it's going to be on. That's really the, the big win there. So again, personally, I prefer lighter weight tools, but understand the reason for Docker and we'll use it as needed. What do you do for speed optimization on a site or application built on WordPress? First, I will say server architecture matters. Like you can't get a cheap server or a shared server and expect to have a lot of speed. So that does matter. Like your, 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 your foundational infrastructure does matter. So if you're worried about speed, you need to uh, expect to pay a premium or pay just even a little bit more than what you would for a shared host. That said, I recommend plugins like WP Rocket. Definitely my favorite caching plugin. Totally unsponsored. Of all the ones that are out there, that's the one that I recommend. When it comes to build processes for the front end of style sheets and JavaScript and things like that, I've used Gulp, I've used Webpack, and from a programming standpoint, I think the advantages are obvious because it allows you to make your code more reusable and it also makes it more modular. Uh, that said, I think that either one of the, I've also used Yarn. That's another one that I really like. It's probably my preference, but again, I don't do as much front end work. So with that said, whenever it comes to doing front end, yeah, there's there's style sheet um, combination minification and then with uh, JavaScript uh, concatenation and minification. I will say you need to be careful with doing anything like don't don't get too intent or be careful on how intense you get with your optimization of JavaScript because sometimes it can have some very weird side effects where it can either not behave as you expect or intend or it can completely break a site. On top of that, there's also the inevitable question of should you load scripts in the head of the website or should you load them in the footer? And 10 years ago, I would have said footer, definitely. Now, I'm a little more... It, it, it depends. I mean, we ha our, our, our servers have gotten so fast and our infrastructure has gotten so fast that, yes, even though loading it in the footer is a best practice, I think it also depends on what it is that the script does. So you there's a level of pragmatism that you need to introduce whenever you are working with JavaScript. 
So that's really a long way of saying I don't have a hard and fast rule of saying where I think you should load scripts. But I will say I do think loading styles before scripts is always going to be more important. What is life like working remotely, being a father, being involved in fitness, sports, and your life in general? I like this question because it's a little outside the box. So I absolutely love being a uh, remote employee. And really for the majority of my career, even when I was working for myself or other businesses, there were times where uh, I've basically worked like 98% of my career has been working from home. I don't know if it's for everyone. I think that you have to have a certain personality type or at least have some strong self-discipline. I think you should have a dedicated space, all that. That's probably an answer for another question, but absolutely love working remotely. And as far as having kids, definitely hands down best thing, like that is the best thing in my life. Both my wife and I are heavily involved in our kids' lives. We love hanging out with them. And even though working from home, people would think, oh, it's really distracting. Uh, you know, I try to have a open door policy where it's like if my door is open, yeah, you're, it's okay to come in. But if my door is closed, daddy is not here. That's how I approach it. As far as fitness and in sports is concerned, I myself am not involved in actually any sports. Growing up, I played little league baseball, but I really wasn't really the sports type. As I got older, I was more into literary and and drama and music and things like that. So the stuff that I do now is, you know, I've talked about it in a number of different blog posts, a number of different podcasts, so I'm not going to go on about it. But I think that fitness is just important, not obviously for just for health, but also to exercise, no pun intended, the other side of your brain. We're sitting here so long so much during the day working on a computer building software that working with another component, working, just getting away, getting outside, bringing the fresh air, um, and doing something to help take care of yourself beyond just sitting is really important. And I also have found that listening, I found it a great time to listen to audiobooks, listen to podcasts, listen to, sometimes listening to music. It depends on what it is that I'm doing. But overall, it's kind of a nice way to take a break in the middle of the day. Otherwise, you can get kind of sucked into just working all day with no breaks, and that is not healthy. And as far as life outside of work and kids is concerned, um, so like I said earlier, I'm heavily involved, both my wife and I are heavily involved in our kids' lives. But in terms of what I like to do, I think I've mentioned this before, there's horror movies that I enjoy, sci-fi movies that I enjoy. I really enjoy um, reading fiction books, although I've been on a binge of nonfiction for a portion of this year, and I'm finally getting back into some fiction. Right now I'm reading the Odd Thomas series by Dean Koontz, and I really like it. But if I'm not doing that, I am probably going to have a guitar in my hand. That is hands down my favorite thing to do when I am not, uh, or like whenever I have any downtime, I would rather play the guitar than do anything else. So that's kind of a long answer, but it was an out-of-the-box question, and I like that. So that was uh, that was really fun to answer. Thanks for submitting that question. How do you stay organized and productive during the workday? It's a really good question. Ask 10 different people. You'll probably get 10 different answers. So first off, I am incredibly type A. That's something that you need to know about me because what it is I'm going to share will not necessarily apply to perhaps how you operate, but... Um, I'm a fan of David Allen's Getting Things Done methodology. I've adapted it a little bit for my own uh, way of work, but I very much like, uh, a very, I'm, I'm very much a list maker, and I'm one of those who, like, I have a list and then a sub-list under that and things, whatever. I organize things based on 
um, if it's personal or if it's for say work or if it's for fitness. And then I, some people will say like, pick three things that you want to do during the day. And some people will say, um, pick five things you want to do during the day. For me, I, I have found that I do have a limit as to what it is, but it also depends on the length of the amount of, uh, the amount of time it will take to complete the task. And the more you work in this field, I think the better you get at being able to do that. So some of the things that I use, um, I actually just use Apple Reminders and Calendar. I used to use Fantastical, but those are, I use those two, and I also use Things by Cultured Code. At work, we use Jira and Confluence. Those are both really good project management tools, and I still am one of those who swears by carrying a notebook with me. I am not, like... For as digital as everything is now, I will still jot everything down in a notebook if needed so that I can go back and sift through it and filter it out later. All of that said, I calendar all of my events, and then I also break it out for if the event is for my wife, like if she has some type of an appointment. I break out when I'm going to be doing some type of exercising. I break out if I'm going to be doing something for work. Break out if it's there's something for a kid event or something for a family where we might be doing something with our extended family. And then for tasks, I, like I mentioned, I categorize it based on, say, personal or fitness or work or whatever other categories that have. Now, I do not think that you should have as many categories, like, just don't go crazy with categories. I think you need to have a really small, finite set. And then if it doesn't fit in one of those, you need to determine on if it's something you need to do. But that's really a topic for another podcast or another question or an answer for another question. But that's generally how I, like, if it's something I need to do, then it goes into a to-do. If it's something that, like a bill that I need to pay or if there is a specific actionable task that is of really high priority, it goes in reminders. And that's also because I can share it with my wife. And then if it's an event, it goes on the calendar. All right, before I end, I thought it might be fun to share some of the questions that were submitted that some of them were definitely trolling. Some of them are just ones I didn't get a chance to answer, but I thought it would be fun to end the episode with these particular questions just to share with you something that Maybe you'll find them funny, maybe not, whatever. But here we go. How can I polish a site before turning it over to clients? How do I build a classified site? Can you talk about your experiences with conferences and meetups? What's an office environment like with Carl Alexander? Nothing? And finally, I'm going to include this last one because I think it's the probably the best way to go out. You need to face the man in the mirror and tell him he'll never be as good as Matt Medeiros. All right, thank you so much to everyone who has listened to, even if it's just been one episode of this podcast, but especially uh, all eight, including this one. I hope to resume this at some point in the future, but right now there's other priorities in my life that are going to sit above this. So I'll still continue to blog. I'll still be on Twitter. So feel free to chat with me there. But uh, this has been a lot of fun. I hope that it's been helpful in whatever it is you've been looking to get out of it. And don't hesitate to submit questions. And uh, perhaps we'll see uh, where this thing goes in the future. But anyway, thanks again. And if you are also looking for other things related to WordPress, listen to previous episodes. There's some deals on WP sessions. There is a course on Xdebug, which I think is great. And uh, yeah, so this one wasn't sponsored by anyone. 
personal choice of mine not to do that. I just wanted to answer as many questions as possible and as rapid fire as possible. So it's a slightly longer episode than usual, but I wanted to make sure that I could get as much content to it into it as possible, given the uh, allotment of time that I normally get for myself. Anyway, I never really perfected the whole ending a podcast thing, so I'm just going to go out as per usual and say thanks again for listening. And whenever I resume the episodes, if I resume them, then they'll show up in your podcast feed, assuming that you're subscribed. Otherwise, you'll catch them on my blog. With that said, I will chat with you online or maybe you'll hear, hear this whenever I do in my next episode. So there's my fancy outro.